Hey, what's up? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of High Minded with McCarter. I am your host, McCarter. I am her co-host, SK. Super interesting stuff today. We talked to Olio's Steve Morigi. Okay. He is been with the brand from the beginning. If you don't already know, Olio is a concentrate brand that has just put out their first round of edibles. And they're hopping on that live rosin edible game. And they have this whole new technology using whey protein to basically bind the THC to the protein so that it gets into your blood system quickly and more efficiently. It's super interesting. Yeah. So instead of processing like 11-hydroxy, it is supposed to be a similar high to just normal THC. So instead of having that kind of different feeling between the edible and the flower, you're supposed to be able to just kind of feel it like a normal high. Right. Yeah. I'm sh- if you've tried edibles, I'm sure you feel like they have a different high compared to smoking or vaping. So we talk a lot about that in this episode and the technology behind it and what they're trying to do with this product. And it was super interesting. Steve is a really awesome guy. We have some great conversation. He's from New Jersey. And so we definitely talk about coming from an illicit market to a now legal market and even getting his mom to try dabs for the first time, which she said felt like a quaalude, (laughs) which I just think is the best thing ever. Yeah, absolutely. That was maybe the highlight (laughs) for me. Yeah, just talking to him about the history of dabbing and concentrates and where we're at now, how the hash culture is a little different than the um, the flower and the smoking community. Yeah, totally. Just a little more highbrow. Yes, like a that. lot of nuances with dabbing and concentrates. We also talked a little bit about Olio's culture as a company and how it was actually some of their original employees that made the famous dab face Olio. That's their brand kind of like logo and signifier, which is really cool. And olio actually means oil in Italian. Oh, yeah. I forgot he said that, actually. Yeah. So it's just a fun kind of episode. We touch on a lot of different things and just personal experiences with different plant medicines. So hope y'all enjoy. This episode was brought to you by Hemper. Check out their monthly subscription boxes at hemper.co. I love their subscription boxes. They always come with what I'm about to run out of, usually some Q-tips, hemp wick, a lighter. And you can use my code, McCarterGetsHigh, to save. So check them out at hemper.co. And please follow us on Instagram. Follow me at McCarterGetsHigh or the podcast at HighMindedPod. And give us some reviews. Yeah, like, subscribe, review, all the things. We would love and appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for listening. We love y'all. And as always, stay stay high. Um, my name's Steve Marigi. I am the brand manager over at Olio. Hell yeah. What is Olio? Just to um, get we are who don't a know. we're a Colorado-based extract company. Um, we focus on all sorts of extracts, but recently we've been really focusing on solventless as well as our new edible line. Um, and then we're also available in New Mexico and Massachusetts. 
So cool. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I tried your rosin a couple, well, more recent. I've had it in the past, but I kind of revisited your brand a couple weeks ago. Because uh, you're one, one of the only rosins, I think, that um, the green solution carries. Yeah, we've gotten in a couple of the different larger dispensaries um, chains because they're just looking for a high-end product that kind of excites people. And then their bud tenders get excited about it. So it's been nice um, to kind of have those available to people as well as being in the core stores. Um, just kind of the variety of um products and the variety of people looking to shop depending on what you're looking to do or, or you know the type of person or consumer you are you have kind of have your different shops built in or, or different shops that you normally shop at so we kind of like to make sure that we're available um, in a wide variety of places okay nice cool i, I kind of want to work backwards if that's okay so you just launched um they're called live edible gummies so I was really blown away when I saw you guys at the Sweet Jane event a couple of weeks ago. And I think it was, I don't think it was you. I was talking to some of your other partners that were there, people that work for the brand. And um, they were telling me all about this process of how, because I try to explain to people that when you take edibles, the THC is actually converting into a slightly different chemical. I don't know too much of the science, but I'm excited to kind of hear from you about how you guys made these gummies and why. Definitely. No, um, we've always been looking into the edible side of things because with extracts as a byproduct of that, edibles are always brought up and um, it's always been something we're interested in. Being also in a MIP, a manufactured uh, or an infused product uh, facility, is that's one of the, it's the license that you need to make edibles. Um, and so with this, we were really interested in coming out with an edible. Um, so we were talking to a bunch of different companies because we didn't want to just come out with a traditional edible. Um, it's something that we've worked on for a while, but it's something that's kind of out there. And there's so many gummies out there. Yeah. So like, we, How are you going to differentiate? Right. And we really wanted to stand out in the gummy market because we wanted to go to gummies because it is the most acceptable. It's the easily uptake. The reason that it's the largest is because that's what people purchase the most of in edibles. Mm -hmm. um, it goes towards gummies. So we wanted to figure out something to really stand out um, because you can only throw so much on a label to really stand out or do so much to a product um, with ingredients. And so we've we were able to partner with Day3 Labs, which is a Denver-based pharmaceutical technology company um, who has labs over in Israel. Um, and they've been working on this technology for the past six years, I believe. So it's Whoa. really cool. Yeah, no, it's really cool because over in Israel, they look at cannabis very differently. It's fully medical um, program over there. So everything gets prescribed strain specific to people. If you have amnesia or if you have headaches or if you have um, pain or if you have um, if you have sleep issues, they'll look at it as what strain helps you in which way. Um, and so with that, they notice with edibles, like you brought up earlier, when you consume edibles, not only does your body pretty much destroy most of the terpenes and things like that, um, you are taking that delta-9 THC and your liver converts it into an 11-hydroxy THC. Um, and then also because THC is a lipid, it's a it's a it's um, an oil, um, that's why you always bond it to a fat um, in butter or olive oils and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it goes into a fat storage site. It takes longer to process. It's not it's it's and then once again it changes to the 11 hydroxy which that has the longer onset it has that more lethargic couch lock feel it has a different um activation with your tolerance levels um and then so you because it's it, a totally different chemical exactly right? exactly okay. so it's like if, it's like <laughs> just take, to clarify right, it's it's similar but it's it's different um it's 11 hydroxy thc just like how you hear about delta 8 thc and delta 10 thc and all that like they're similar but they're very different with very different effects and so with that, you don't really get a true strain-specific effect from these things um, because also with distillate, you're just getting the THC out of it. So with our live yeah. rosin, it has the full spectrum of terpenes, cannabinoids, and 
THC that you want in it. So what they do is they're able to take whey protein. Um, and, and also what's really cool about them is normally people were looking at this and they went a food route, which is emulsion and nano emulsion, which is just, it's, it's making water and oil mix because THC is an oil trying to get it to work in a water and then just making it really small. So it's sneaking past your, your body's natural defenses okay. and going through your, uh, your body's, uh, like the brain or the blood barriers. And that's like micro encapsulation. Right. And okay. so it's going super small. Um, and so with this technology, what they wanted to look at is because I believe over in Europe, there's a limit on how small you can go before you have to start getting secondary studies done and to prove that it's, um, safe. Mm. Um, so they wanted to go actually the opposite and go really large with it. And so proteins are actually very large. And so they use whey protein. And when you look at a protein underneath a microscope, it looks like a raisin. And so they're able to tuck THC into those nooks and crannies of that raisin, as well as the terpenes and minor cannabis. And because it's a protein, it protects it through your first pass metabolism. So it doesn't convert it into the 11 hydroxy and it keeps it as that delta 9 THC. Whoa. So instead of it trying to sneak past anything or it has to sit and wait in line, um, you know, to go through your fat storage sites, it actually, your body knows what to do with proteins. That's why athletes use it. That's why, you know, college athletes use it before they work out or all athletes use it before they work out a lot of times. So they use it before they're um, having their competitions and stuff like that. So your body knows exactly what to do with protein. So it digests it. Um, it, it bypasses the first pass of the liver and keeps it as Delta 9 THC and then delivers all of that into your system. So you're Whoa, able to get this that. this is nuts. Yeah, it's really cool because then you're able to get the Delta 9 THC high plus all the minor cannabinoids and terpenes delivered to your system in a way that's faster and easier. Um, so it's really cool because you don't get that lethargic couch lock high. It gives you a much more clear-headed high. I've been saying this is more Whoa. of like a Dayquil versus a NyQuil. They both have a very big use. Yeah. Um, but this one is just a little bit more um, daytime, I would say. Wow. So you're getting like, this one is slurricane number one. I'm getting the effects of slurricane number one. Yes. And, it, and we've and it noticed. Says, yes, strain specific experience. Exactly. And we've been doing some of our mixes as well in it because we've noticed that with the mixes, you're just able to get unique terpene profiles. And that's what really dictates the experience in the strain. So right now we're working on categorization to see if we can see how different groups of terpenes and cannabinoids will affect people in a similar way. Not to, not to like dumb it down very specifically, but at least like this one's more of an uppity one. This is more of a focused one. This is more of like a happy right. hour one that's, you know, for the different settings that you're looking for. Cause you don't, yeah. you know, this one's a little bit more sleep oriented. Or it's this all one's about not. effects. People are all exactly. like, that's the main way that I get through to people is when it's like, okay, well, do you need help sleeping? Like, do you have any problems sleeping or do you have any problems with pain? It's immediately like, or do you need help focusing during the day? Like, or getting creative? Yeah, all these things that you're saying. And I feel like that's why 1906 has had such great success mm -hmm. because all their marketing is so smart because it's so like experience driven, like you're saying. It's like, go, sleep. I don't know Pause. the other ones. Midnight, <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. How do you get it to taste so good? Because this is oh, yeah. definitely the best um, rosin gummy I've had. Um, that, that's our chefs. Um, Nick, who is at the event, who you got to meet, he used to work at a couple different high-end restaurants um, in the Denver and the, up in the mountains as well as in Philadelphia. Um, and before he got into the cannabis industry, he was a pastry chef um, at Uchi and at a couple different high-end restaurants around Denver. So he has a wow. background in this. And he, okay. so when we approached him about like, hey, we, first he just came on as packager and he came in um, and on the harvesting team. Luckily before COVID hit and then when COVID hit and all the restaurants um, were in so much trouble, he was in a great position and he's worked out really well with us. Um, and we really enjoy working with him because when we came up with this idea of an edible, we had some consultants that we were working with that also are in the fine dining side of things. And we told them what we wanted to do. They 
loved it. They, we wanted a lot of the edibles on the market now, while they start, they're starting to focus on good ingredients when it comes to the hash going into them, mm-hmm. they're still putting in synthetic colors like art, like blue number five or yellow number five and all these different synthetic colors and synthetic oh, sure. flavorings, yeah. which I get because it's easier and more consistent and it's a cheaper price point. But when you're starting to really pay attention about what you're putting into your body, why not look into all the ingredients? And so with these, yep. we're looking at these as like the best possible edible going forward. We use whey protein, which makes it non-vegan. We are R&Ding new vegan proteins. Um, I believe there's a chickpea and a cannabis and a rice protein that they're looking into. That's the other really cool thing about proteins. Each protein has a different onset. There are certain uh. proteins that you'll take that you want to take before you go to bed because it has a longer onset. So we've got a couple of different ideas that we're talking to them about to try to see how we can kind of use the different proteins to stack the effects because right now with this so whey smart. protein, you're getting a 15 minute onset. And for me, I'm feeling it lasts about an hour and a half to two hours. Some people it lasts longer. It all depends. Um, it's fairly unique to your body. It seems like um, it's a little right. more, cons- once you get it and try it, it's more consistent. And we're starting to see a little bit more of the same time frames. but we are seeing like a slight variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, like there's a lot of cool opportunities to see how these different proteins can stack so we can put different things in there so that you can have a THC and then it turns into a THCV or CBD at the end. So like you can have something where you take at the end of the day and first it's the THC that relaxes you. And then three hours later, the CBD kicks in to help or CBN help put you to sleep. That would be so cool. Yeah. Something. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Like I feel like there are so many situations that you could create with that. That's so awesome. Right. And that's, what's really cool with working with a company like day three labs is that, you know, years ago we wouldn't, I would have never thought we'd be working with a multinational corporation or not multinational, but a Denver-based technology corporation that has labs in Israel that can legally study this. When we have questions about cannabis, we ask them and they're like, hold on, let me call the scientists in Israel. <laughs> and then we get an answer in real time. And That's it's like, epic. this wow. is really cool. This is what we've always wanted because, you know, throughout college when I was smoking weed, I always wish like, why couldn't we study this and actually find out how these things are happening? Because that's what we're missing in the U.S., I feel like. We have yeah. this whole recreational and medical side of things, but there's no research done because it's illegal still, or right. it's done in very limited amounts in certain schools, and it's not really done in a way that right with seems our scheduling. Be, yeah, uh, how minute of testing can you get in America versus what they have in Israel? Um, well, it's not. It's the testing for potency and all that is is relatively the same from what I'm understanding. It's more so just the fact that the way they can look at the plant and the way they can study it in in hospitals. It's like, okay, a lot more so, accepted Right, generally. like so from here, um, anecdotally what I've heard, CU and Schultz has a, uh, their, their medical campus down in Denver. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't confirm this, but from what I've heard, they ask you, like, if you're taking cannabis products, we just ask that you tell us so that we can be aware of it. And if it might affect with things, we could take notes on it. We can't prescribe you anything, but we're interested in it because they oh. know things, good things are happening, but yeah. they can't prescribe it. Whereas if you go to Israel, they'll be like, you're prescribed this THC, Here's like sour Kush because X, Y, and Z. For my for my understanding, once again, okay. but yes, and Whoa. so like there's just that different level of acceptance as well as knowledge about it. Like they have scientists over there that are truly studying this. That are like when I ask them different questions, like a lot of like one thing that we're still trying to figure out is cert- edibles don't work on certain people, and we've heard that it's an enzyme. We've heard that it's a couple different things, and so we brought it up to team over there. They sent us a, an experiment. And they're like, here, try this, and when you give us the result, we'll tell you what we think and how we can kind of R and D further down. So it's really cool because normally it's just like, huh? It's like that ethereal or just that esoteric question. Yeah, of it's like, like I wonder how. Right, and then where they're like, <laughs> now you, now there's a team sitting, you know, eight hours or nine hours ahead of us somewhere in Israel. It's just like, oh, you want to know why? This is why. Like, wow, it's like I, Google, but like. They do the research yeah. right in real time. Yeah, and they're st- and they're, and they're familiar with cannabis. So That's when we're talking to them about terpenes and THC and all that, it's not like you're talking to a scientist that, like here, that has some esoteric idea of it because they haven't lived with it. Mm-hmm. It's there where they've been studying it and working with it as a true product for so long. 
Yeah. You know? how, how long do you know? Um, I believe this technology they've been working with for six years um, wow. to develop it. Um, and like I said, I think they originally were looking at it for people that couldn't consume cannabis traditionally and smoking it and were look, needing a strain-specific effect, whether it be cancer patients, children, different lung issues where you just can't physically consume cannabis. How do you get that strain-specific effect? So it's strictly like a drug delivery question for them. Wow. And that's why it was really cool. Everybody else is looking at this like a food question, and they're looking at this as like more of like a physiology, like yeah. how, how do I get this into your system the, the right way? And now time for a quick commercial break. Say goodbye to late night store runs and hello to convenience delivered with Hemper. We've got you covered with premium smoking supplies that are shipped directly to your door. Remove the hassle and enjoy the best smoking experience with Hemper. Check them out at hemper.co. That's H-E-M-P-E-R.co. Do you know of any other brand, either in Colorado or edible brand in the U.S., that's also like using a similar like delivery system or like with the whey protein or anything like what you guys are doing? So right now, Day3 Labs, uh, this is all patented technology. So they're the only purveyors of it. We are the initial launch partner for them. But you're um, not the exclusive. We're not exclusive, okay. no. I think we're the only one that's currently on the market though. I'm okay. not sure if there's anything oh. else on the market. I know they're working with a couple other brands, but we were the first to market with their product. Okay. Um, and it's been really fun working with their team, bringing it to market because it's, it's given us firsthand knowledge to be able to ask these questions and have these conversations with these teams and get to know them. You know, they're based in Denver. One of them, or a bunch of them are in Denver. Um, one's down in Santa Barbara, but they're still like, they're here all the time. Um, they're at one of our bud tender events. They're super helpful with our questions and our nice. answers and with our marketing materials and our sales team and all that. So it's, it's been really helpful working with them. And it's really cool because once again, like working in the cannabis space to have a company that's that big or that has that backing and that knowledge to be, be interested and want to work with you because, you know, when we were talking to them, the thing that really connected us, they're like, well, everybody wants to put distillate or everybody wants to put something else in this. Oh, what do you want to do? Like, yeah. we want to put our live rosin in it. They're like, all right, that, that's what we wanted to hear. And, and that's what was really cool because, you know, I was in Las Vegas last year at MJ BizCon and we were talking to a couple, I was talking to a couple different nano emulsion technology companies. And I was like, you know, have you guys ever put, you know, like solventless products in here? And they're like, why would you do that? And they're asking me, like, it's a bad thing to put it in there because it's not as pure. I understand it from wow. a scientific standpoint. It's not as pure. You want something that's 100% because then it's easier to standardize and work with. But with rosin, you have so many of these other. Right. It always does like every batch is going to be different technically. Right. right. Wow. So with that variance. They're like, that scares us. Right. And that's not what they want. But to us, that's <laughs> Which, like, yeah, that's it, what we want. And we so. We want craft. It's what right. makes it Small exciting. batch. Yeah. Right. And that's what also helped with our chefs because with the chefs, they know that with the ingredient, depending on what the fruit batch was that day when it was harvested, there might be a little bit more sugar in it or a little bit less sugar. And they're going to have to adjust the recipe based off that. So they understand working with these variances because mm. that's, they live in that world of not yeah. perfection. Um, so sure. it's, it's been really fun to kind of make sure that we dial that in and put the best product forward with this. And it's all, it's ingredients that you're pretty much familiar with. There's a couple things that you might not be, but that's just because working with pectin, um, you have to, it's much more involved than gelatin. You have to worry about pH. You have to worry about your bricks. It's more of a chemistry problem than it is a cooking problem. Okay. Um, so that was one thing that was really fun for our team to kind of get up to speed on. But once they figured it out, that was just off to the races. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I the flavor is incredible. I just ate a watermelon one. Yeah. And I mean, there, yeah, there's not, it's so like clean. There's no like, I don't even know how to Hashy describe flavor. it. Yeah. There's, yeah. you can't even taste the cannabis at all, first of all, which is like, how do you have that? Because most, 
Like, do I do another one? <laughs> That's what we've been trying to pay attention with is like um, a lot of the flavors you can work with. We just wanted to make sure that they naturally went with it. You can use bitter blockers and other things or add a bunch of sugar to it mm-hmm. to cover up flavorings. You know, that's sugar is the ultimate thing to make things taste good. But we wanted to stay away from that. That's also why we didn't coat them. We didn't want to add extra sugar or it wasn't needed. A lot of times people are eating edibles before they go to bed or trying to fall asleep with them. And the last thing you want is a mouthful of sugar when you're trying to go to bed. Yeah. My sister says that all the time. She's like, all the stuff you send me for sleep, like, I don't want to take it after I brush my teeth. <laughs> yep. And it's been something that we've been trying to be conscious of because, you know, people are tolerant or have tolerances towards sugar. And it's something that we should be aware of. And every edible or not every, but nearly all edibles on the market are sugar based when you think of it, because it's always going back to that like munchy feeling, which is, you know, when you're for yeah. me, at least like in college and you're just like, oh man, I just want to go down to the, you know, go down to the store and pick up a whole bunch of bad food. And that's where we go now. But in reality, we want to look into this and how we can make this and things that aren't just sugar-based so that it can be part of your everyday life and isn't just a sugar bomb. Yeah. Have you thought about doing any other edibles with the same technology, but with a savory, like actual edible, like so like pretzels with the same way protein kind of technology you're using yeah delivery we're looking into it right now the big thing is testing um homogeneity everything has to test even so if you Mm -hmm. cut that edible in half it's five and five if you cut it in quarters it's two and a half two and a half two and a half two and a half you have to make sure that everything's homogeneous and with uh, with certain goods it's harder to get that um or if you have multiple textures it's nearly impossible because you have to make sure two things are exactly the same in this in so wow. we're tr- we, we're looking into it and we're looking into the different ways that we can kind of make sure that it does work and it doesn't make it prohibitive testing wise because if it fails testing and you have to waste it out that's just a big pain in the you know pain in the butt and a giant waste of money and time for everybody so we want to make sure that we design products that will work with testing and, and kind of meet the requirements to make sure that we can put them out um, we just released these in July so we're really looking forward to kind of getting these into the market but we definitely have we, we've got some new flavors we're working with um, that we're looking into as well as a couple different slight modifications but it's just kind of making a product better as we get more R&D going and more people kind of more feedback because when we first released this it was just a handful of people in a room that tasted them and then it was a handful of people in a couple of rooms and then you know as it grew <laughs> and as you get more feedback you can start seeing those general trend lines of yes this is actually something that makes sense that we should address or this is something that just a hand like two people said and it's not really a problem how did you get involved with the brand um so it's kind of it's an interesting story uh, i was around with olio since day one i was around from before it, uh i was originally involved with a company we started uh, me and a handful of people that are there now um we all worked together at a company in boulder we were the first company in boulder to open up a um regulated BHO lab, I believe. Um, oh, with like, cool. So it was really cool. It was really fun. Um, did a lot there. As that expanded, we ended up closing it. Um, the owner moved out to California and brought the brand out there. I helped them get going out in California. We then reopened in Denver um, with the ownership that's there today, plus a couple other people. I was there as the original extractor, um, kind of first employee oh, wow. to kind of get that lab going. As we got going after about nine months, um, the owner that owned the name and the rights to the name that we originally opened up with in Boulder and we got going in California, he left um, to focus on California. So we were focused to, we had to rebrand. And that's when um, the current ownership group basically turned to the team, um, the extractors, the growers, the packagers, everybody that was in the building at the time and said, what do you want to call this company? Um, What do you want the logo to be? What do you think we should do? 
they know we want, they knew they wanted to still be involved with the industry. They're all, they're all very passionate about cannabis and involved in it very heavily, but they were not hash heads. Um, they were not extractors and that's what we were. So it was really cool for them to recognize that and just be like, we don't want to create something that's not true and loyal. So we had, um, I believe one of the growers came up with the logo and one of the other growers came up with the name and then we ran with it. Um, we did a bunch of marketing with it. We worked wow. with a bunch of local glass artists, um, local dispensaries and stuff like that to kind of get the name out. And we had a good following based off of who we were in originally and got going. Um, and so it was just, it was really cool to see that, see ownership, just take a step back and not have an ego and be like, we know what we need to do. It'd be like, no, this, what do you guys think? Um, yeah. And seeing the you internal don't team. hear that a lot. <laughs> exactly. No, and it's been really cool now that we've been getting involved in other states and now that, you know, there's been these big corporations and big money groups talking to people as we talk to them, like, or as we talk to different groups or different people in general that are from not the cannabis industry. They're like, oh, where'd, who, who'd you pay for to get your logo design? Who came up with your name? And we're like, <laughs> we just turned around and asked a bunch of stoners that were like yeah. working in the facility and like they were the ones that came up with it. I'm like, that's oh my God, it's awesome. beautiful. That's like true culture and community, I feel like. Definitely. And that's what we've been really trying to pay attention to and uh, like the culture, the community, like we have, a, we want to market to it. We want to have like fun things that go along with it, but it has to be true to the brand. It has to be true to things that we care about. You know, everybody in the, everybody in the company cares about it. We're interested. We've got, everybody has different passions. And when you have, a, when you have enough people that have a large diversity of passions, you can start seeing common threads or ways that you can kind of involve the brand in those passions and in different ways, because cannabis is an accessory in my mind. It, it goes along with so many things, whether it be going out for a nice meal, hanging out with friends and relaxing, going on a hike, going skiing, snowboarding. Yeah. Like it's always, it's not like you, like you the rarely. perfect companion. Right. <laughs> exactly. Lifestyle. Yeah. So that's why we really look for other ways to brand that and to make it so that this is available. And that's also why we wanted to get into the edibles. We look at cannabis as, as, you know, like there's a spectrum of consumers on there and your hash heads and your people that are taking dabs and all that are on the more refined, like you have to know what you're doing, really get involved yeah. and pay attention to it. Whereas edibles, you can just, I've always said this, but you can, you can walk into a dispensary, buy an edible and eat it immediately. You don't need a lighter. You don't need a pipe, yep. you don't need anything like that. <laughs> So the barrier to entry is very low. We want to make sure that Olio as a brand that stands for um, quality is available across the spectrum to people that just eat edibles and they're just interested in that or if they want to try a rosin cart or if they want to try a rosin gram. Yeah. Anywhere along that line, we want to make sure that they can find a product that we create that has a good name behind it, good ingredients in it, and that they know they can, you know, wherever they are in the state, if they see it, they, they're it's safe to know that they're going to want to buy it and be happy with the product there. We've really been trying a long time to kind of figure out the edible and we wanted to make sure that we didn't cut corners and we wanted to put the best foot forward and put the best ingredients in it. So yeah. Is that why pectin over, um, gelatin? There was a couple of reasons. Um, one is definitely that we like the bite and the flavor of it and the consistency. And then also uh, we've noticed with gelatin, we've had a handful of people that forget if they have edibles and they forget them in their car in the summertime. Oh, yep. And if you haven't before, if you leave a pack of gelatin edibles in a warm car over the summertime, what was 10 pieces will turn into one giant brick. Yeah. And then it's that fun game of like, do you weigh it and slice them off? Do you just take a bite and kind of go down that road of what, how much did I just eat? Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, so with the pectin, you don't have to worry about that. Um, whatsoever. And then also we knew with day three labs talking to them that while we're going to use whey protein originally, they are going to come out with a vegan protein and the less barriers you can have on an edible, the better. And mm -hmm. when it's going to taste better anyway, why not? Yeah. Um, our chefs also, uh, they fought for it. And then in the end, we're just like, we're glad we did this, but at the same time, like gelatin's so much easier to work with. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a labor of love in the end and something that they 
we're we're glad that we went with, but it's it's a little bit harder to work with, definitely. Nice. And that's how we wanted to come, you know, come at the project with it is we didn't want to cut corners. We want to make sure that if there were complaints, it was a valid complaint and it was something that we should address. And it's yeah. not something that we could have taken care of. The worst thing is when you come out with a product and somebody says something, you're like, How did I not think of that? <laughs> like that could have saved us so much so much of a problem if we just knew that day one instead of day 60. Yeah. Um, so the more, you know, the more we can kind of grab our crystal balls and kind of look into the future as much as, as -hmm. much as we can to kind of figure out what those problems will be. It's super helpful. Um, and then it's just, you know, since, like I said, we're all, a lot of us are, all of us are cannabis consumers at the company are in one fashion or another. So when we ask our group and we ask our people, like, what do you think? We get a very large variety of opinions on it. And usually we can kind of tease out, which ones are really kind of important to kind of the market and what we're seeing. And it's still a small spectrum because it's just the people that work at Olio, but we've still got a sample size. Yeah. We've got a couple <laughs> different friendly companies and are a couple different uh, dispensaries too, that we're friends with that we can ask like, Hey, what do you see? What do you see nice. as a good thing? What do you, what moves as a product? What, doesn't move yeah. as a product. Get some market research from your other homies. Yeah, like, exactly. Help it's, us out a little. Yeah, it's yeah. helpful because then it helps them too. Because then it's if it makes their life easier. If we're making a product that fits a niche, a niche that they're able to yeah. sell, then it's like this is what we've been it's waiting a win-win. for. Win-win. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like here's a consumer base that exists. Like this is what they want. Can exactly. you make it? Someone yeah. needs to fill it. Right. Yeah. If you don't fill it, someone else will. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Those bud tenders Eventually. are waiting to tell someone their mm-hmm. opinions for sure. Um, yeah. I know as a bud tender, I always was. Yeah, yeah. she like, was a bud tender and a manager at Village Green Society. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we Sorry, sold Olio. Sorry, just Yeah. <laughs> My CV just out there. Um, how many states is Olio in right now? Um, we're in three <laughs> right now. We're, we started in Colorado, um, I believe... 2015 is when the lab opened up. We turned into Olio uh, October 2016, if I remember correctly. Nice. Um, and then we opened up in Massachusetts as well as we are now open up in New Mexico. Cool. Yeah. Wow. New Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico is the one that is kind of a head scratcher for people. But when you look at it geographically and you kind of think about how the cannabis actually is um, and how people travel, mm-hmm. um, it's right next to Texas. And Texas loves weed. Um, or the people of Texas yeah. love weed. <laughs> the state of Texas does the not. politicians do not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was something that, you know, we would see um, – through Instagram, through social media and all that, we, you know, we sell our product only in regulated markets through regulated stores, but people do what they do with it. It ends up in Texas. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> we don't what? know how. And funny enough, with the New Mexico connection, it was literally, I believe it was our HVAC technician, our guy that works on our air conditioner units that we've been friends with for years, that really? we've known for years, was down in New Mexico working on a grow down there and got to know the people and was like, hey, like, I know the guys up at Olio and you, you seem very like-minded. And that's kind of one of the things that's that goes so back awesome. to with our, all of our connections, whether it be... In New Mexico, Massachusetts, or with Day Three Labs, is that they're very organic and they're natural. And when we talked to them, we were like-minded people that could sit down over a meal, have a drink together, smoke a joint together, and be like, "All right, this is this feels right. This feels like somebody I was hanging out with in high school or something yeah. along the lines with that." And right, people you can trust and get along. Yeah, with. it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel inorganic. It feels like something that you can work with because that's what you want. These are all these are all relationships. They're partnerships. It's something that you know, with us being in the industry for so long even though it's not that long like it helps other people in other areas to know like once again knowing what issues are going to come up with new regulations or with naming or planting or with whatever it is to help give them that insight so that you know that somebody's looking out for you and helping you um is super beneficial and it, it's been really fun to kind of see that but yeah how big is That's olio so cool. how many employees do you have um i don't have an exact number but i think we're around 50 to 60 in the okay. state um nice. yeah we've got Mm-hmm. 300 lights, I believe, 270 to 300 lights in Denver. 
Um, How many plants is that? It's a very good question. <laughs> a rough, There's um, for flowering rooms, we have eight and four, so probably 1,200 flowering plants. No, t- yeah, 1,200 flowering plants. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you sell flour at all? No, we don't. Okay. We strictly sell concentrates and edibles. Um, that was something that we decided a while back um, when we built out the facility. We originally had a curing and drying room because when we first when we first opened up, Live resin was still becoming a thing. Yeah, um, it was it was out there, but people were cured rosin and or cured resin was still very popular, and rosin was just being discovered in 2015. Um, so we did never we never built out a proper drying facility. Um, and one thing about Colorado, as somebody that's been working with extracts in Colorado for ten years, twelve years now, one of the pitches that I always had to people and that I saw coming from the East Coast and then traveling out to California and um, Washington and seeing the concentrates and the flower out there is like. Colorado's climate's not exactly designed for drying flour. Yeah. You ask any good grower, and they want to they want to dry it out over a period of a few, of, of at least a week usually. And if you try to dry it in Colorado in its natural environment, it'll be dry in about a day and a half. Yeah. Uh, and then it's bone dry. Um, yep. you, you, there's no real window. You have to really design a quality dry room. And I think that's why, in general, Colorado has seen a lot of um, like overall when you look at the the. The, the viewpoint of Colorado flour, I think people see that it's good, but the con- the common thing is that it's dry. Um, yeah. And when you go to California, I was just in LA, um, and you see the quality of flour out there, it's just, it's different, you know. It's, yeah. it's sticky, moist. Right, yeah. and, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and it was, it was very similar. I don't know how much of it was homegrown or gl- grown close to New Jersey, but even when it made its way to New Jersey, it still would be a nice <laughs> consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, it never was that bone-dry material, and, and out yeah. here. And so that was one of the things that I always pushed as an extractor uh, when I got to meet, when I was starting to meet growers or different facilities. I'm like, you know, if you freeze that, like you don't have to dry it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about messing that up. Like when you smell it and it looks really good and then you try it a week later and you're like, oh damn, the cure didn't quite, quite go right. You don't have to worry about that when you freeze it. Um, so you just cut it and freeze it immediately. Yeah, they chop it. Our, we have our in-house harvest team. Um, they cut it down, weigh it, and then they take it. They tr- they'll basically defan it, um, get everything down to what looks like a loose trim. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not a close trim for flour, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty much getting all the green leaf that doesn't have uh, sugar coat on it or anything that they don't sure. want and clean it up. Um, but it's very careful because you don't want any broken leaves because that adds chlorophyll to your extracts, which makes them green or darker. Oh, yeah. um, so it's definitely paying attention and being like surgical with it almost. Um, but cleaning it up and then getting it in bags and frozen within 30 minutes of taking down a plant usually. Whoa. Man, that's <laughs> wild. So it's really quick. And so now we've got multiple freezers, um, like seven cubic foot freezers around our facilities that just store up to 50 pounds roughly each. We have some bigger ones that'll store more. Oh my God. Um, And then, yeah, if we go pick up wholesale, I used to have to pick up, I've transported probably 90 to 95% of the fresh frozen that has had to move for oleo. And a lot of that's been in the back of my forerunner. (laughs) Totally legal. Everything's registered and all that, but it's been funny because like I've, I've had the only car that physically can easily fit two freezers in the back of it. (laughs) A Jeep Grand Cherokee is like one inch too small. And my really? forerunner is like 33 and a half inches, so it just fits freezers really well. So for the longest time, wow. it was just driving around. And that was one of the benefits of having the smaller freezers instead of a giant room. 
Um, but now we're using courier services that have um, refrigerated vans and stuff like that to make it a lot easier on everybody. But when the industry was first going, it was just what had to happen. Um, we had one wow. one of our salesmen famously drove down to Canyon City, I think it was, with his pickup truck picking up three freezers of material for us and like a <laughs> snowstorm. And it was just like, that's how we got started. Like, wow. We didn't have a grow it for, or we had our grow, but we were waiting for everything to come down because, you know, plants take time to grow and we were just looking for material. And so it's definitely been a couple, you know, really interesting, funny drives along the way of just like, uh. a, a four runner or, or Tacoma funny enough just filled with freezers driving down I-25. Wow. You, I mean, you got to properly store that hash. Yeah. The <laughs> early days of the, yeah, industry. It's like now we got refrigerated so trucks funny. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Wait, I do want to touch on, I remember I asked about the name mm-hmm. before and I think you or someone at the booth had said it means oil in Italian. Yep. Like how come you went with the Italian Honestly, it was funny because the guys that came up with the name weren't even Italian. Um, so how did they like think of it? We were just we were just coming up with a whole bunch of names, and it was just something that stuck. It okay. flowed. The fact that we came from a brand, and we wanted to reinvent it. Um, and then with that, like seven ten is the name for oil. It's mm-hmm. oil upside down, so that's like the big connotation. Yeah. So we were able to kind of use. If you look at the Olio face, it has 710 in the face. Yeah, yeah totally. So it's like an homage to Genius. that as well. So it, it's kind of like the double entendre, and it was just – it kind of fit. And then I, I'm, I'm adopted by a group in an Italian family, so I was very happy for it to be an Italian name. Um, one of the owners uh, – actually, I think two of the owners of Olio – spent a lot of time and met at a CU uh, overseas, like a broad trip to Italy. Oh, okay. So they're actually like, we have an appreciation uh, for Italy, um, but it's it's nothing like direct other okay. than I was like a funny so little curious. thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, with me, like I was just, I was, I'm not going to fight it. I like it. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. And yeah, the the logo is so good. It really, it just sticks out. Perfectly. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's been a big thing for us. I know like when we first came out with the brand, um, we came out with the logo and they asked us like, what do you want to do for packaging? And we talked about it and we wanted to keep our packaging as variety as possible. We wanted to move around, change it because then it stands out and you can always recognize the Oleo face. That's the mm-hmm. one thing we always wanted to be consistent, um, whether it's on our packaging for our grams or whether it's on our vape carts, whether it's on our um, edible jars, on our merch. Um, there could be a lot going on, but it's just Re, re, you know, just kind of reinstated through that so that you know it's there um, in a fun way because just once again, cannabis consumers come in every shape and size and mm-hmm. style and pre- preference of everything. So we've had, you know, all types of different artwork from different backgrounds to make sure that everybody feels represented in a way or can oh, be interested in it, you yeah. know, because we want to, like, that's the thing. We want to be inclusive. Um, hash can be very exclusive and exclusionary and kind of like that culture can be yes you know, in that it's way. It's like the highbrow almost of the right. cannabis and, industry. And and with cannabis, it's something that we've constantly as users have been looked down on or as, and, you know, and like not as a normal person where it's like, no, there are lots of people that have consumed cannabis, cannabis through their whole life that are professional as hell and are making lots of money. You just yeah. don't know about it because they've hid it from everybody. Yep. Yep. Now you're starting to see it with more NBA players talking about how they, when they go to games high and they smoke before and like it helps them ease their nerves Ooh. and like all the, and it's like it's nice to see like a little bit of recognition that it's not it's nothing to be afraid of it's no yeah. worse than anything that anybody's already doing on a Literally. daily basis yeah. um and the fact that it's just a plant that grows in the ground like it's it's, it's a literal weed yeah 
Oh no, that's yeah. That's been the one of the running jokes with one of me and um, one of my good friends. It's like, yeah, I can grow weed. It's a fucking weed. Like, yeah. It's easy. <laughs> Just throw it in the ground. Give it some light. Throw some water on it. And it'll, it won't be great, but it's a weed. Yep. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I was gonna go back to how did you get like make it out to Colorado? That was exactly where I was oh. going. I was gonna say like how did you fall in love with weed? Yeah, because we definitely want to hear. We love asking people how you were first introduced to the plant. Definitely. Um, so that's actually it's a funny story because growing up, um, I had a lot of friends around me that were very into cannabis, and I just didn't smoke for whatever reason at the time in high school when a lot of people get into it. And my best friend's little brother used to tell me, he's like, man, once you smoke weed, you're going to fall in love with it. I can't <laughs> wait till you smoke weed. And he doesn't smoke weed anymore. He's like a family man. He's got a kid and a wife and all that. And every time he sees me, he's like, I told you. I told you. He's like, I didn't think you'd go this crazy with it. Um, wait, but, that is so yeah. funny. So it was funny. Um, and then when I was in high school, I worked at a ski shop in New Jersey. Um, I was big into snowboarding at the time. I worked with uh, doing sales, was really enjoying it and found CU Boulder and Transworld Snowboarding is one of the best places to go if you snowboard. Yep. So nice. I was super interested in it, um, visited, okay. fell in love with it. Yep. And I remember I walked into my statistics class my senior year of high school and I told my, my statistics teacher sees me and I had a very funny, like joking relationship with him and we were very close and he goes, where, so did you figure out where you're going to school? Cause I, I was deciding between a couple schools and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to CU Boulder. And he goes, do you smoke? <laughs> I'm like, not yet. He goes, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I, I'm glad you see the writing on the wall. That's uh, so funny. Yeah. And then it was pretty much the day I graduated. Um, it was like two, or the day after I graduated, one of my buddies had a big graduation party with everybody there. Um, I was the designated driver that night just to be responsible um, and drove a couple of my friends home. And they're like, hey, you want to smoke a joint? I'm like, yeah, why not? It's about time. Now's the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and right, that literally. was like June of 2006, I want to say. And then... August of 2006, I was out here at CU Boulder as a freshman moving in, um, got involved with cannabis in the medical scene in 2010, um, started working as a trimmer, worked at the Cannabis Cup doing pop-ups and stuff like that out here, um, worked in the grow a little bit and then did bud tender. Uh, I was actually a bud tender on Pearl Street in Boulder at Boulder RX back at, way back in the day, okay. um, which was always fun. Wait. Do you know Aaron Shaw? Oh, yes, I know Aaron Stop. Shaw. Stop. He's a good friend <laughs> oh, yes. of mine. Aaron Shaw's a great guy. He's been on the podcast twice already. Awesome. No, he's- You got to listen to his oh, episodes. I, yeah, no, Aaron and I go back. I, Shut yeah. up. He's a homie. No, his, his aunt used to run the shop. She was the yes. front of the house. So yeah, I, I used to like, work in the grow. I used to work in the dispensary. Yeah. I, yeah so I, 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 I still run into Such Aaron all the time. And it's, it's hilarious. Like, I love this. Oh, no. I'm, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Oh, I love- um, We need to all hang out. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, Aaron's hilarious. I love him. So yeah, I worked there um and then slowly got interested in extracts i blew glass for a while um tricky glass uh, at the time was up in cold creek canyon i got to learn from him nice. which was really cool um and with that that kind of spurred more of interest into extracts because that was when pipes and the glass scene was really changing because extracts were coming out yeah. and the, the technology was coming out to kind of, it was like back and forth, hand in hand. Right. Okay. There's it's always like, been a close relationship. All these new bangers and stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's always yeah. been a very close relationship with high-end glass and cannabis um, with black market growers because that's where their funds went a lot of the times and that's where the best glass blowers magically were able to get paid from. Mm. Um, they're able to make these really cool pieces that years ago, you know, sold for a couple thousand dollars and now they're worth 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Um, so it's been really cool to see that and getting to know those, some of those guys and seeing like the people that like, um, Quave, Kevin, who came up with the banger and that whole team and seeing how that changed, like how 
function and rigs work. And, you know, yeah. same with, uh, you know, the client and everything else. It's really cool. And then now we're, uh, it's great. We've got the Puffco here. Uh, we're really good friends with the team over at Puffco. I was actually just out in LA at PuffCon. I wanted to go so bad. I had a bunch of friends that went. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> recommend it. Uh, they throw I a really great party. Um, it's super fun. Ben, Chelsea, Lynn, the whole team over there. Um, yeah, Aaron, I've met Roger. Chelsea yes. a couple of times. She's really sweet because yeah. we have a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah, she's from New Jersey, funny enough too. That's so so we've got a connection through that as well. Roger's wow. from Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, we love working with them. They're great. They're always coming out to our events. We're always at their events. Yeah. Um, it's once again, very like-minded when we get to hang out with them. It's just like hanging out with somebody that you used to know from middle school and it's just catching back up. Um, yes. So it's been really cool having that. And what that's one of the great things about cannabis is that in the past you've had to hide these relationships or it's kind of been behind a screen name or been something online in a forum. Yeah. Whereas now like me and one of the guys were talking or me and Ben from Puffco were laughing like at the event, like, I wish I just had everybody's like, um, Instagram name on a tag because I know, I know so many <laughs> more know. people here, but I just, Same. I only see like the side of their face when they're hitting a pipe or like. Right. The back of their head from another photo. That one picture that's yeah. their thumbnail. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Literally, um, isn't that so crazy? I was thinking about that too. <laughs> but it's been really cool then because then when you go and you start getting introduced to all these different people, you're like, oh, I know you from this or I know you from that. And we used to go to this just like here with Yes, Aaron, you know I know. I mean? We're like, like wait, we it's both a very small. <laughs> it's a very small world. And you know a lot of people that know other people. So it's, it's really cool to have that connection too and yeah. to see that um, because – the good people end up sticking together or the good people move on and do good things. And then you right. still work, you're able to work with them and kind of have that positive relationship. Totally. I agree completely. It's a real community. Synergistic. Yeah, it is. Like that's what, yeah. So much of what I love about cannabis is that it does bring people together. And then the community within the scene is just so loving, so giving, so kind. Like I always just find, yeah, mutual friends, like, similar lifestyles, similar, like similar stories, even in backgrounds. It's like, wow, we like went through similar things to get where we are today with yeah. loving the plant and like being able to be open about oh, it. Oh, definitely. Finally. And that, that's, <laughs> that's been a big thing at Olio too, is like everybody there is passionate. Um, we, they care about the product that goes out. If something's up, they say something. If they don't think something's right or if they think, you know, we could change something, everybody speaks up and they care about it. And that's what we try to make sure that we're looking for when we're hiring people. You know, we understand that everybody needs a, a paycheck at the end of the day, but we want people that yeah. want to be there and that are happy to be there and that kind of appreciate the lifestyle and totally. the culture that we're trying to build. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a lifestyle and a culture and every, it fits different people different ways, but we want to be able to support of that in the different, you know, kind of ways people want to live. But it's just something that we want to make sure that the people care about because that allows you to put the best product forward when you have every hand that's touching it is concerned about it and cares about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Earlier you said every employee in some way or another consumes. Is that something that's important to the company, like in hiring? No, I wouldn't say so. I think there might be one or two that might not, but it's not like that it really matters. It's um, like they still care enough about Yeah. Them. No, they know. Like they're aware of it because they've been there. Um, or if you choose to work in cannabis, you still care about it, you know, Hopefully, I feel yeah. like. Um, at least for what we're working with, because if you're not treating the product with care, you're not going to be able to work at the company. Totally. Um, you know, I think that's kind of more so where it comes down to. But I'd say we have one person that I can think of off the top of my head that might not consume, one person that smokes flour only, and the rest are probably a, a range of consumers. Um, so that's been really cool to see because then, like I said, we get different inputs from different people from different backgrounds and what they're looking to use because we're really seeing that like depending on what type of cannabis user you are, it really is a different type of consumer and what you're looking for or how to kind of get that person to try something new. Oh, yeah. Totally, yeah. And sometimes it's all about even like just saying like 
that like right that like buzzword or something like it's yeah. crazy I don't know I've like had calm. many calm people are like calm yeah calm with this oh I've been looking for calmness everywhere yes or yeah a lot of it's the pain well what I'm seeing with the older mm-hmm. generation is the pain relief and not having to take like oxy or definitely things like that like my dad is finally using cannabis for the first time in like ever like since he went to college he and he's refused like okay. and I I yeah talk about it all the time obviously but he is finally using it right now because he got a knee replacement yep. mm-hmm. and his neighbor told him you really should use cannabis instead of the oxy yeah. like I did it myself and and now and maybe it's because someone else his age advocated yeah. that yeah. for it too and that it's not just me being like you should really try cannabis and he's mm-hmm. like well yeah you use it all day, every day. Like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used it for my ankle surgery and I had no pain, um, no issues. And I like didn't even touch the pills that they gave me. No, that's, it's like, true. That's yeah. something that I personally deal with too. Cause like my mom, she's had both of her knees replaced through a car accident. And that was something that, um, yeah. it was years ago before cannabis was around, but now with her, um, you know, still going through the after effects of it and all that, like, I got her, she lives in New York. I got her, I made sure that she got a medical prescription in New York and that she's getting her edibles for that. I'm like, I'd rather you take this, a plant-based medicine than anything else. Like if you're tired, just eat a couple more edibles, you know, for the longest time. Like she loves gummies. That's her favorite thing in the world. (laughs) And for the longest time, like it was hilarious. I talked to my friend, well, like my mom's, She's hilarious. She is. I, she, <laughs> next time she comes out here, I'd love to have her on. Especially she is, if she loves gummies. I'm oh my like, God. yeah, I she love is. It. <laughs> I left a quarter. I remember one time I left a quarter of lemon G nug run hash oil at my house with a rig and everything like that because I was home for Mother's Day. Then I was coming back for Thanksgiving or something like that. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'll just leave it here that way. I don't have to deal with it. Right. And I call her like the week before Thanksgiving. I'm like, hey, mom, I'm coming home. Can you get like my box out and make sure everything's there? She's like, oh, everything's there except the hash. I'm like, what do you mean everything's there except the hash? She's like, oh, well, me and the girls got together for a couple nights and we smoked all your hash. I'm like, what the? F- Are you serious? She's like, yeah, sorry about that. Wait, and she knows how to use, like, Oh, yeah, she dabs towards? with me. She dabs with me. Okay, oh, I was okay. like, yeah. my parents wouldn't even know how to, like. Oh, you know, I introduced her. Okay. Uh, oh, no, the first time my mom took a real dab, she just looks at me. She's like, that reminds me of Quaaludes in the 70s. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> Oh my yeah. god! I need to meet her. Yeah, she is a trip. So it's it's hilarious and um, what a woman. Yeah, it's awesome. I need to hear all of her stories. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been fun. So I get to smoke with her. She loves the edibles. She loves edibles in general. Um, like I said, she's got her med card in New York, and she's excited now that nice. she'll get that there. But I'm hoping that she moves out here hopefully next year. Um, oh, because yeah. she loves it. You know, it's it's definitely something that. She was a child of the 60s. You know, she definitely uh, was around cannabis. My dad, when he was around, was a very avid cannabis user. So. Oh, yeah. She can come out, live out her hippie, exactly. hippie dream. Exactly. And you can always go back to the East Coast. Like, that's – I have a lot of friends. Like, my friend is in Baltimore, actually, mm-hmm. um, visiting her family, but she lives out here. And I'm like, you can always go back. Like, yep. you know what I mean? And then – I'm like, do you want to stay in your like old Baltimore life? And she's like, no, I want to come back to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in the center of the country here. If you want to go anywhere, it's nice. You want to go to California or Seattle or something like that. Or if you want to go back to the East Coast, it's, it's easy to do that. And Denver, yes. Denver's the airport is kind of very good for kind of getting around, in my opinion. It's oh, nice for that. Yeah. It's so easy. I really, it's, yeah, it's so centrally located. Yep. We, the only thing we don't really have is like a beat. I, well, I feel like we have everything even here in Colorado that you would need, like, Mountains. I want water, an ocean. skiing. I but want yeah, it. but we don't yeah. have a beach, but yeah. Um oh, well. <laughs> you mentioned that your parents consumed, um, consume. Mm-hmm. Did you know when you were a kid? Oh, like yeah. did they Fun- hide it from you? Funny enough, um, 
it hid in plain sight in a way. Okay. My mom has photos of me when I'm a little baby in diapers, like next to a four foot weed plant in our garden, apparently. <laughs> and you just like, I it, it looks would, like a tomato plant yeah. too. Like, oh yeah. Well, we had a bunch of tomato plants yep. too. And then I've nice. been to Jamaica 10, 15 times probably. And most of them when I was a little kid. Wow. I like, okay, had no so idea, you know, and then <laughs> I remember, um, like my mom would always go to bed early at night. She'd go to bed at like nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock maybe. That's me. And then like once a month or once every once in a while, she'd just be up at like ten o'clock and I'd be working on some homework or something like that. And she'd stick her head and she'd be like, Steve. I'm like, what? She's like, Do you want like a ice cream sundae right now with brownies? I'm like, Yeah, where is this coming from? <laughs> she's like, All right, we don't make some. I'm like, now looking back, I'm like, she was stoned off her ass. <laughs> That's so funny. I had no idea. And like I'd get mad at her, I'm like, why does it smell like cigarettes? She's like, It's not cigarettes. I'm like, Well then what is it? She's like, Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah. So and then funny. once I started smoking, I remember the, the first time she caught me smoking, um, I had a couple bags of weed and it fell out of my pocket when I got out of my car and I go to bed that night. And the next day, her friend shows up, finds them. Her friend takes one and smokes it and gives the other one to my mom. My mom asked me to come into the room <laughs> when I wake up and she sees it. And she sees it and she's like, is this yours? I'm like, yeah, it's mine. She's like, all right, it's not that good. You could have it back. <laughs> God, like, I love her. Okay, this is great, mom. Thanks. And I then you know, like a couple already. years later, like the tides had turned because that was right when I first started smoking. Like a couple years later, the tides had turned. They just called me. She's like, "Hey, can you see if any of your friends are around? I need some weed." And like your dad can't get any more. And this or this that or the other thing. Aww. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "Hey, Clint, is there any way you could stop by and see my mom? She needs some weed for the weekend." I love this. She's going to a concert or something like that. And so it was. It was always really fun. That once that awesome. once that wall broke with her, it was there was nothing. Like my dad still tried to hide it because. My dad went to University of Michigan and in the 60s and early 70s and lived a very, very wild life that could have had a book or a movie probably written about that time frame. <laughs> he was very afraid that I would try to relive his life and try to do what he did. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. It's not the 60s and 70s anymore. Right, yeah. Whereas my mom is just like telling me all the fun stories about her growing up and, you know, oh. smoking joints with me and stuff like that. So. It was definitely so. funny, the juxtaposition. Um, they were both okay with it in the end. Like my dad would call me asking me for weed or like have me roll, roll him some joints. He's like, my, my fingers are bad. You know, I'm old. You roll me some joints oh, uh, and stuff like so that. Cute. But my mom's definitely the one that was a little more like relaxed about it. Yeah. It was like something that you guys could share. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So and is she so like... What does she, does she love the Oleo brand? And like, what does she say about what you're doing now? Oh, she's super excited. I mean, the fact that I've been able to do this, I was just back in New Jersey for an event because um, we're looking in the East Coast. Um, and I was able to line that up with a trip to go visit her. And she was like, you're going on a work trip and you get to see me? I'm like, yeah, I told you this would happen That's eventually. And so, so she was excited cute. for that. Oh. Um, I've brought her out to different events out here. I know at one point we did a small sponsorship with something that was at the uh, – Denver, not the Botanic Gardens, but the Natural History Museum. Cool. Um, so we were invited to like a banquet there and I was able to bring her to that, which is really cool for her to see. Um, yeah. She really enjoys it. She's, you know, she's thankful because she's been seeing, she's used cannabis for, you know, 60 something years now, I think. And wow, yeah. She's definitely aware of the situation and the stigmas against it. And, you know, if you gone, if you lived through the 60s and 70s, from what I've been told by a lot of people, you knew a lot of people that did a lot of things and they're, a lot of them are very successful now and you can't judge people off of, you know, their discretions or something that happened in college and let alone yeah. if it's like smoking a joint. Yeah. Right. So. The only thing that was ever really wrong with it was that it was illegal. Yeah. Turns out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or when it's like laced with something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why we need regulation and <laughs> testing. Yeah. It's really cool. The world that we've built for ourselves in a way, like the, yeah. you guys are the frontier, um, 
frontiersmen in way. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's oh, been yeah. fun. And it's it's been cool because a lot of times it's like it gets frustrating dealing with, you know, the rules and regulations and the changing, but in the end of it, it's like I work for a weed company that's selling weed. And like it's not federally <laughs> legal yet. It should be. Everybody knows it should. The fact that hemp's federally legal and THC derived hemp from hemp is federally legal and you can buy edibles with THC in it that right. um and all that. It's like why not? make it from a plant that's designed to do it yeah. <laughs> and that actually tastes good. Um, I'm definitely interested to see where the future goes with it. I hope interstate opens up because, um, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see if, like, you look at wine and whiskey and kind of, like, alcohol is the thing that always gets linked to it, whether yeah. we like it or not. But in a positive way, you look at the wine industry and how California has uh, different areas that it's known for. Washington and, you know, all these different areas around the world are known for it and people buy wine from there. And even though... Um, certain people might think it's all the same. It's the same grape, but when you try it from the different areas, you kind of start to see these different nuances. And I hope that we can kind of see that because I'd love to be able to purchase California cannabis in Colorado. And if I want to buy extracts from Michigan in Colorado, it'd be really cool to see the differences and allow the different states to show off what their different cultures bring to it and what they're looking for in the different styles. Because growing up in New York or New Jersey, you know, shopping in New York City for cannabis, a lot of times there was Kush, haze, and sour diesel. Those are the three things that were available. Wow. Most of the time it was sour diesel. Everybody wanted it because you could smell it two blocks away and you knew that they had it. It was like (laughs) a good sales tactic that you could smell and be like, all right, somebody has weed around me and I've just (laughs) got to start asking now. Um, But, you know, then you go out to California and see the variety and you go up to Seattle and Washington and kind of see the different things there. I'm really interested to see. And even, you know, like Ohio, Lemon G came from Ohio and a bunch of dumpster came from Ohio and a lot of things came from these. Yeah, Death Star, a bunch of, you know, and Mm -hmm. stuff has come from... I think, um, what was it? Uh, Golden Goat apparently might have came from Kansas um, and stuff. Really? Yeah, Indiana Bubblegum. Like, so all these states in the Midwest that are theoretically pretty anti cannabis have very strong cannabis communities, especially in Ohio and then Midwest. It'd be really interesting if they can start you know, showing off what they have on a national stage or on an international stage. Cause yeah. growing up, it was always Amsterdam and, you know, and like yep. the cannabis <laughs> cup in Amsterdam. And then I, I never personally went, but when I had friends that went, they're like, yeah, it's really cool, but it's, it's European cannabis. It's a lot of sativas. It's a lot of hazes. It's different. It's great. Oh. Um, but it's just interesting to see that. And now you're having more Americanization there and same with Spain from what I'm hearing. But I personally would rather go to a place and like try the local stuff. Like, yeah. I like when you go to a when I go to a country or an area and I'm I'm trying their food, I want to try the local food. I don't want to just go to a, see what their Taco Bell is like. Right. Like, <laughs> like, great. It's the same thing that's in Colorado. Like when I'm in Colorado, I want to eat a really good steak or eat a really good, you know, burger, or, you yeah. know, focus on the cuisine or the chefs here and what they've learned. And if I'm in LA, I want to focus on that. And I think kind of the same for cannabis. It'd be really cool to see that on the on the national and global scene to see like what Hawaii's like in Alaska and Florida and yes. all these different areas that oh. have very different climates and different tropics, which have grown very different cannabis. And I don't know, I'm hopeful, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool because they all have a historic um, right. cannabis community and culture. So, yeah, like yeah. almost everywhere it does. When you start looking into it, even in Japan, where it's been very illegal and very regulated mm-hmm. for a long time, there's still a cannabis culture there and a community there that really appreciates it. So, it's like, I'd love to see how each one kind of could put its own spin on the culture and once it can thrive and not hide in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And that totally answers our question. We ask people like, what do you see of the, f- is the future of the <laughs> cannabis industry? Well, that's, that's the hopeful one for the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, 10 years ago when Colorado went legal, they said regulate like alcohol. Mm-hmm. Obviously we have nothing like that. Um, I, I think at least figuring out social consumption areas. Yes. Um, Cause right now in Colorado, unless you're a homeowner, a single family dwelling homeowner, you can't legally smoke cannabis anywhere outside of like 10 or 15 lounges that are 
hit or miss at yeah. times because it's just if they're going to be open with the regulations, if the city's going to shut them down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, figuring that out, figuring out a way that if we can have a meal and have cannabis with it, and I don't, you know, if alcohol can't be involved, fine. Uh, there's That's no problem with that. But just yeah. figuring out ways that we can kind of involve this and make this more of an, an everyday thing. And not that it has to be every day, but it should be more normalized. Um, you know, if people are going yeah. out to dinner and having a drink every night, they should be able to have the same option with cannabis, I feel like. Totally agree. Um, as well as just seeing like what interstate tourists, you know, because right now things are slowing down with the state. It's interesting if we can kind of build what we stand for here and what we can offer some sort of hospitality with that. Because, yeah. you know, I know Denver for the longest time was like in Colorado was the flyover state or the stop by state because you just flew to Denver airport to fly somewhere else. And the mayor, I think it was in the 90s or early 2000s, really tried to help fight that and make it a, a location. So now Denver is a place that people really want to go to and people are coming to Colorado and it's not just stopping in Denver before you go up to Vail or Aspen or something right. like that. Or um, I would love to see us really uh, like take that in um, and work with it with hotels or bars and consumers or how, however it may be. I'd, I'd love to see that, but I'm, I'm interested to see that. And then, you know, the international side of things to see what it looks like because, there's a lot of opportunities over there, but when we're still not federally legal, it's, you know, the whole tax situation with 280E, we have to pay taxes on everything and we can't write anything off. Yeah. It's just making it hard for everybody to kind of operate right now. So it, the more we can kind of make it a level playing field to actually allow us operate would be really interesting because then yep. we can have a true business and operate like any other one does instead of kind of being handcuffed to the situation. So Yeah, totally. Do you, do you follow federal legalization efforts and stuff like um, that? Or? A little bit. I've been trying to pay a little bit more attention to it, but it's just kind of depressing in a way because every time <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> – totally. I've heard it so many times it's going to get brought up and the, the fact that, you know, the presidency is kind of hasn't put it as a – on their front – Anywhere near a priority. Yeah. I, I, I like hearing, um, I think it was Chuck Schumer and a couple other um, people put together a bill trying to get some things going, which I'm hopeful that gets movement. I know we have a lot of other things that have problems, but yeah. when there's something that seems like it's so clear cut and so simple, um, at least to federally legalize it, get it taken care of with 280E. And if states don't want to allow it, states don't have to allow it. But still, like Minnesota has a whole booming THC business. There's a restaurant um, from hemp. I've heard, um, I know, I've heard there's a restaurant in North Carolina that's doing all hemp derived THC in their sauces at a restaurant. And it's fully legal. That's amazing. And it's wow. like, because it's all the loopholes that they're like working through. And yeah. like us as an industry, we're like, okay, like, is is the hammer going to come down on you? Or are they right, just going to allow yeah. this to happen? How is it going to happen? Because as we've seen in the past, like, I mean, there was just a big lawsuit where Wrigley is suing a whole bunch of farms out in California based off the names that are getting used in strains. And uh, which I understand, like, right. as we become a more legal company and a legal <laughs> industry, like we can't use Oreos as a strain, but right. at the same time, like, I don't know, it, there needs, it's, it's difficult because it's a, such a segmented market and you have this black market Influence. legacy market trend and influence in people that still want to tell everybody else to fuck off and I don't care what the law says. I've been breaking these laws for 30 years or yeah. you can't tell me what to do. It's like, okay, that's fine and well, but <laughs> I can't sell this product to this dispensary because it's got a trademark name and either I'm going to have to rename it and piss you off or yeah. you're going to have to come up with a new name. And there's just, it's all new problems that come about as you kind of get situated in a, a legal industry and kind of yeah. figuring out how those um, affect you and how you want to handle them because it's we're the new kid on the block, you know, we're the one that's been we've been we've been Harry Potter living in the closet for years and now we're finally able to come out and like talk about ourselves and talk about the world about what we want to do and like yeah you've got some good ideas but at the same time like you're not doing that. 
Do you think the cannabis industry is ready to be like, we won't accept just anything as federal legalization? Or do you think that we're kind of like, we'll take it. It's whatever yeah, you guys like, give us, we'll take it. Yeah. It's okay. I, I think the industry, if you had, if the industry voted on it, mm-hmm. I think the industry would be much more cautious about it. I think the thing that we're seeing, um, or at least personally I'm seeing, is that, you know, as somebody that's been involved with extracts predominantly and running that side of things and focusing on that and the high-end connoisseurs and the clientele and the people that are spending $20,000, $30,000 on a piece of glass sometimes, mm-hmm. those are very prominent people and they're very loud, but it's also a very small segment. Not everybody in the world can afford that. And when you start going to these different events and seeing the breadth of people that are there and how not everybody's walking around with a Louis Vuitton bag and a lot of people are just there with a regular Jansport backpack and, you know, whatever pipe that they got at their local store. um, And they're still having just as good of a time as anybody else. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think you're seeing that those two clientels will have two different opinions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that just want access to it and want more acceptance of it, they're going to be voting for it regardless of what the background is. Yeah. And the people that are involved in the industry and might be a little more concerned knowing the history of it or just knowing how politics work and how you kind of never get what you actually want um, would be a little more concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also like there's also that balance because just to be working in a legal industry is something that's great. So like yeah. sometimes a step forward, even if it's two steps backward, is like needed in a way because yeah. it, it allows you to reassess the situation or allows you to kind of get that – raise the ceiling a little bit more. Um, but it's it's difficult because, I mean, I thought we were past this point, but I was back in New Jersey at one point over the summer for a wedding. Um, and we're at the beach and we're at a bar and there's a gentleman there with his son and the son's just proposed to his girlfriend and everybody's happy and they're like in their upper 20s and – so the guy starts bullshitting with us because we're being nice. And he's like, oh, so where are you guys from? We're like, oh, we grew up in New Jersey, but now we live in Colorado. He goes, oh, Colorado. Pot's everywhere out there, huh? It's got to be horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, have you not looked around? Like, Have you been to New York recently? The city is – there's pot, like there's more weed in New York City than so I've seen much. ever before. Like it's on the yeah. sidewalk. It's everywhere. I'm like, guy, it's not just Colorado. It's everywhere. If yeah. you have a problem with this, I think you're going to have to think about where you're living real quick because New Jersey just went legal. All these other places went yeah. legal. And it was just so like – I'm like – I guess people still feel this way. I, I thought I thought that right. attitude would come from somebody that's like 70, 80, 90 years old that was more antiquated or something like that. And it just surprised me to see like a 50-year-old guy that would still have that mindset. I'm just wow. like, I, I hope that you were a cop just that's, to justify that. so action. sad. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, why do you have that perception? Yeah, because like I talked to my mom and all of her friends who are in their 70s and they're all just like, oh, we love the gummies. Like, can you yeah. get me some? Like, can you get and all this. Mm-hmm. And like, so it just surprised me when I see people that are so staunch against it because I've known, I've met a lot of people on both sides of the aisle and every sides of back every background and all that and for the most part even if you're not personally for it you're ambivalent to it for other people you're like i don't care it doesn't as long as it's not around me i don't have a problem with it like don't smoke around me and if you want to go off and smoke I'm fine just yeah like, yeah, it's like a freedom issue yeah it's a personal choice like if, if mm-hmm. and i think that's a big thing and when it comes to like what people really care about it's like if, if it's your personal choice thing then just like let it be. Yeah, totally. So hopefully it gets more towards that and there's less people that are as vocal like against it because I'm not vocal against them and, you know, like what they're doing on their any given day off or whatever. Like if yeah. it doesn't affect you. Like I understand the concerns about smells, kids and all those things. I'm very I, – I 
I'm for it. Like, I, but I just it, let's have a conversation about it. And but what about tobacco? Why is exactly why can you smoke cigarettes outside on right? The- well, now that's been the big thing in New York is because when New York first legalized marijuana, while they're still trying to figure out the sales and everything, they basically said wherever you could smoke a cigarette, you could smoke marijuana. Yeah. And then now everybody's smoking weed everywhere, and now <laughs> the conversation's happening. Like, okay, we get it probably shouldn't have allowed everybody to smoke cigarettes in all those places. So we're going to start putting in bans on where you can smoke cigarettes and cannabis, which uh, I'm like, okay, that's, I can work with that. Like yeah. public parks, certain hours of the day. So like have a smoking section. Like that's what, there was yeah. a reason for that. And back in the day it worked great. I know yeah. at airports, they still have them in certain places where it's just like no smoking here, no smoking here. This is where you can smoke. Right. I'll, I'll stand there next to a person smoking a cigarette. If I could smoke a joint right now, Same, like, I'd rather not, but yeah. if you're allowing me that, um, it's even it's a step in the right airports, direction. Airports like outside. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it's like even if you're outside right there, it's like nope, you have to go over there. And I'm like, that's why I'm gonna hit yeah. my vape. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think we're starting to get there. Um, and and it, personally, and from what I've seen, is that the industry, or at least for me, like I'm willing to give a little bit. Like I'm willing to jump through these hoops because I understand that like we're the new kids on the block. We're oh. the new like we're we're still kind of getting our cutting our teeth or you know getting everything ready. So. The more we can kind of work forward and be progressive with these things and hopefully get these conversations going and show them like, okay, yeah, I'm here. Like, I'm have, like do you want to talk about this? Can we figure out a solution? We're not just here to like yeah. <laughs> get mad at you because you're telling me no, but like can we at least figure out why I can't smoke a joint at a restaurant and enjoy a steak? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I know a Republican um, House member just pro- – well, like a year ago proposed a legal – like federal legalization bill that was very much just like low taxes – Everything else yeah. is kind of up in the air, and it's like, are the Republicans going to steal the issue and become the party of cannabis? It's like well, when you think about it, Republic, like, I mean, trying not to teach issue, it, like, quote unquote. yeah, like, I don't know. If, <laughs> if it's a personal rights issue and it should be like privacy, then that seems like a natural it connection. Could be, Hell yeah, um, okay. but. Um, I, as long as they just legalize it, like I, I, I think it could be a bipartisan thing. I think it, yeah. everything gets too partisan. You know, it's going to be too. Can anything be a bipartisan thing at this point? Probably not. If one thing could be, it might be weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, both sides at this point should want to figure it out, it's only help. It's a tax. It's a it's a new taxable right. income. Yeah, that yeah. It's it, like, like if they could be a, making money. So many it. people <laughs> are in favor of it too. It's like it's a win for whoever. No, and the arguments. I mean, I was talking to somebody that's down in Cripple Creek because they're trying to legalize on the recreation side and the local um police department's fighting it because they're like well kids are going to be able to buy it so much easier than i'm like oh i went when i was in God. middle school and high school i could get weed a lot easier than i could get liquor because nobody asked for an id yeah <laughs> like once you add that barrier of entry it makes it that much harder and it's easier to police because then you know where the weed's getting sold it's not totally. like what random drug dealer on the corner house is selling it so yeah right and it's like here's a market that is legal that like people will be coming in you don't need to take that and it will be money. regulated. It will be tested. So you don't yes. need to be worried about if it's like laced with fentanyl or something or like crazy. Yeah. Well, just how it's grown and like the regulations now for Colorado, like with pesticides and microbials and all that, everything gets mm-hmm. tested so many ways. The meds going out and doing testing on store shelves. So like it's not just what the grows are doing. Like they go to a store, grab weed, test it. And if it fails, they send out an alert and they send out an alarm for it. And if it passes, everything's good. So the meds actually trying to make sure that it makes sense and it is a positive way of doing testing. And it's not just forcing people to kind of figure out how to deal with testing. So I, I, I agree that with the testing, like it makes me feel a little bit more confident. Um, unless Unless you like personally, I'll say this: if I knew the grower on the black market or something like that, that's a little bit different. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But like when you're just going into like a random situation and all that, right. like, it's definitely it's not. Like, 
New Jersey was very different than Colorado. Colorado, like I knew the people because it was so accepted out here. New Jersey yeah. was very questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Same with Missouri where I'm from. Yeah. Like I only knew like my high school dealers. Right. Like, I didn't know where they got I didn't, it from. Yeah, I didn't and know they where weren't going to tell me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. I didn't know anybody that grew weed on the East Coast when I was, you know, around yeah. there. Every, and when, meanwhile, when I came out here, the first person you talked to, like, oh, yeah, I grew this last – like, you grew this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, we probably should wrap it up. But, we, yeah, we do need to ask our final photo, and I need a final photo. Final question, and I need a photo. Of course. Of you to add to our wall. Awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, so our final question that we ask everybody – um, if you could consume cannabis with anybody alive or dead, not family, um, but they can be fictional. Yeah, also fictional, fictional character. Who would it be, and how would you like consume? SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> Off the top of my head, um, it's probably Anthony Bourdain. Okay, good one. I'm yeah. a huge fan of his. Um, also, he grew up in New Jersey. He went to the same high school that my dad and a couple of um, my dad's friends went to. Wow. Um, my buddy's dad was, I believe, in the class that he got kicked out of for rolling a joint in the back <laughs> of um, a very private, uptight uh, East Coast high school. I did not start it. You'll <laughs> okay. have to double click. Wait, uh, but that's amazing. So, yeah, probably him. Uh, I think probably a joint just to be fitting with the situation. I'd love to give him a dab and see how he'd feel about that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'd be open to either. Have you been to any of the restaurants um, on his show, like ventured Um, his path in any way? uh, To a degree. um, I never got to go to his restaurant, Leal, in New York, but I've been to a bunch of David Chang's who he became good friends with and showed the way or, you know, kind of worked with. Yeah. And I've become a foodie through him. So I think I went to the oyster bar that he went to out in San Francisco and a couple different little things. Um, He went to a family. I've got a family member in Kansas that owns a barbecue spot that he actually went to. Wow. And did his uh, show at with the Black Keys at one point. That was no really cool. No way. That's so yeah. cool. So, <laughs> I love um, the Black Keys. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm like, wait, the Black Keys and Anthony Bourdain are at your barbecue spot? Like, <laughs> why did you tell me before it comes out? Definitely but, uh, the best reason to go to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'd probably say him. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, this is so awesome. Wow. I love what you guys are doing. Like, and I just admire your brand and company so much. Like, just paving the way for rosin, I feel like, and like just better quality cannabis all around. I appreciate that. It's something that we care about. You know, we've kind of been on the forefront of a handful of different things. We're always trying to make sure that we're paying attention to what the customers want and what the clients are looking for. And speaking to that while still putting forth a product that can be made in a commercial facility because there's definitely, you know, requirements for that. But it's been really fun um, doing that, working with the new strains, getting new stuff going, working with mixes and doing fun names and all that. So it's 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 been a fun process, and I think that's why a lot of people enjoy it. It's not just a, a daily toll. Um, it's something that you can kind of enjoy and look forward to doing it each day. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did forget to ask that I kind of wanted to touch on is, like, how do you kind of reckon, like, the cost of quality products and, like, while also trying to – you know, have it be accessible like we were talking about. So yeah. Like these, the new gummies, maybe as an example. Right. I think with that, um, with a lot of things, it's when you come out with a new product, um, you never know how successful or what the demand is going to be. And if it's a hit, it's a huge demand. So you have a high price point because you can't make enough of it. And then once you scale up and you get scalability up and you create more of it, price can come down. Um, whereas if you create a new product and it's not a hit, um, then you have to drop pricing on it. So I think it's it's more so a reflective of the economy. Um, 
and, and scalability. Once you start getting produ- productivity up or production up, and also if you come up with a new product, one thing that we realized, especially with the rosin, um, as we started doing it at first, we'd be like, oh, we can squish 200 grams a week. Then we could squish, you know, we could double that. We could make more. We could double that. And it was just wow. as you do it more and more and more, you get more familiar with it. The first time you ride a bike, you can't go that fast. If you ride it long <laughs> enough, you could be like Lance Armstrong, you know, like that kind of mindset. If, if you do everything over and over and over again, and that's what's really cool about being in a production facility where every day you've got hundreds of pounds of material sitting there usually to work with, and there's always product to work with. So if you yeah. tried something one day and it didn't quite work, the next day you could try it out. So having that openness to kind of work with things and try things to get scalability up, because as you do that, it just it frees up your time to do more things, um, and that, that only increases your profitability for yourself to make more money. If you're like, hey, what I used to do in 40 hours, I can now do in 20 hours so I can do more. Yeah, um, That makes you more valuable as an employee, and also just it's nice to do that. Um, cause then you might have a little bit more free time. You might be able to take longer lunches cause you can get more done. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's that, um, getting the demand out and figuring it out, um, with the new products, we try to make sure that we pay attention to it. Um, with the edibles, it was really interesting because if you look at the pricing variety, when we were first looking to come out with the edible, there was distillate edibles on the market everywhere from out the door from a handful of stores I was looking at from, 10 to $12 for a hundred milligrams all yeah. the way up to $25 for a hundred milligrams. And the cost of a gram of distillate on the wholesale market was $5 for a thousand milligrams at the time. Wow. So when you're seeing that versus a, <laughs> yeah, a gram of rosin going for 20 to $25. Um, and because you have a lower potency, you're getting less units out of a gram of rosin. Yeah. Um, that, makes it very hard. Like right now, if we want to look at a med product, but the cost of it is very expensive because of how much like you, you're not getting yeah. even amounts. You're losing. You'll have to use yeah. so much more material. Exactly. <laughs> so we're looking into other options for that. We're looking into live resin options. We're looking into, you know, anything possible. We're going to R&D it and make sure that it's something that we're happy with. But it's just something that you really have to pay attention to on the overall cost of things and how it affects the end unit and what the market's at. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, personally, I think distillate edibles should be coming down in pricing. And I think yeah. rosin edibles should kind of be that higher price point because of the the lower potency, so inefficiency and in transfer. And then also just the fact that a gram of distillate is not as desirable as a gram of rosin. Yeah. Um, I remember the days when distillate oh, I was- I hate uh, distillate. Yeah, like there's <laughs> a place for it for certain people and aspects for it. But personally, I would rather have a live resin or a live rosin or a trim rosin-based product yeah. um, just for the full spectrum aspect I was going to say because we want the full plant benefits. Like Yes, exactly. Yeah. Do you think there are products in the future that we're going to be- um, consuming that are already out there and we'll be looking back and being like, oh, remember when we consumed rosin and thought that that was like Yeah, is there a step above rosin that's coming or no? That's that's what, that's the interesting thing is like with rosin, it was funny because from everything I've read and paid attention to, because we were in the industry, we were making, I I was aware of ice wax at the time, um, but rosin wasn't really around. Mm -hmm. You know, you just take your ice wax, press it out and um, smoke it. But the rosin, I believe it was like January 2015, a guy in LA or San Francisco or somewhere in California figured out, I think he stole his girlfriend's hair, hair straightener, <laughs> yeah. um, grabbed a coffee ba- a coffee bag and or a tea bag and loaded the rosin. I'm pretty sure it was a coffee bag, put the ice wax in there and realized that you can kind of juice it and get the quality mm-hmm. out of it. Um, in a way, like it's hard to say because once again going back to like the liquor industry because I've got a lot of friends in it and, and it, it reminds me of it in a way wine you can put a whole bunch of stuff in wine 
um, now. Like you could put like up to 71 different chemicals in wine and still call it wine and not know about it, including. What? Yeah. Like, like it, it, and that's <laughs> why. Right. So, well, sulfites well, for stabilizers, but you can like, so a lot of wine isn't vegan because they'll use an egg protein to clarify it oh. and a stabilizer because you want every bottle of wine that? to taste exactly the same. So it's, it's so it's really not cool. Vegans. Well, so I've got a good friend that's in the natural wine business. Um, thank you, Benny, for all this information. Um, but he's, you know, like opened my eyes to this. And so when you get into natural wine, it's just what happens, like when you make it, you just press it. You're not you're adding like stomping things. around in a barrel. And or or if you're using machinery still, yeah, you're just yeah. not adding things to it. You're not <laughs> they doing. They don't have people doing it. Oh, you'd be surprised. So oh, they do? <laughs> I think so. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like with the natural wine movement, all this, it's the awareness of unadded, unadulterated. It's what you put into it. So yeah. with rosin, there's companies that are out there that are doing more secondary techniques um, with filtrations or separations and things like that. And we're interested in it. And we want to look into it, but. With this, this is like untouched for the most part. It's more unadulterated, natural. Okay. We love that. The way we can make it better, in my opinion, is figuring out how to grow cannabis better. Um, as just yes. like just like how we talked about, you know, um, Israel being able to study cannabis on a medical side. If we're, once we're able to get to this place, I don't want big agra and all that to take a look at it, but uh, I would love to see yeah. like what these amazing gardeners that can do crazy things with organic soils and amendments and teas and all that, if they were legally allowed to focus on this and study this truly and take it to a lab and go to CU and be like, or CSU or whoever, and just totally. be like, can you take a look at this and make sure that my soil uptakes are right and what type, what this would need for the plant and everything like that. If we could really dial in the plant, that's only going to make better hash. That's mm -hmm. really the best. That's the cool thing about rosin too. Yeah. With BHO, there's a lot of ways you can kind of polish it and make it look better. In my opinion, with rosin, it's a lot harder to do that. The plant truly speaks for itself in a rosin and an ice wax. If it doesn't come out good, you're going to know. Um, and so it's really cool to see that. So I think the better you can grow a plant and the better you can get the environment for it and everything else, I think that's how you really start pushing the levels of like next level rosin and extracts and stuff like that. So what type of fertilizers do you guys use for your, wait, do you have an in-house Yes. Grow, yeah. Right? In-house grow. We actually have a couple different, um, cause we've been working with a couple different lines trying to see what works the best. Um, that's part of this process right now. And with that, it's, it's interesting cause it's, do you want to use one for veg, one for flower with the different needs for the plant? And so that's one of the things we're going through right now as a trial, as well as with LED lights. Um, traditionally, everything was like very heavy on high, high wattage HPS yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so we're in the process both, of... Oh, sorry. We okay. both had some really old like grow lights. Oh, I'll clean that. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what we both had that. some really old growing lights that were both like... Yeah, I have like <laughs> the big like fluorescent oh, yeah. tubes yeah. and everything. Yeah. We just so, got for free and we were like... we. We I still have it these. just like in a corner somewhere. I'm like, one day maybe. I, don't I know. gave mine to Goodwill. Uh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like as that technology gets better, because now it's cool. We're talking to these LED companies, and like we can we can do studies with these plants, figure out the exact spectrums they need, and then build LED lights oh, to fulfill that. That's incredible. That's what I need. Yeah. Especially <laughs> being in Colorado with the temperature swings and the humidity and all that, the less we can and energy savings. If we don't have to air condition a unit because yeah. we're putting in so, or if we can AC a unit a lot less because we're putting in less heat because it's an LED unit instead of an HPS unit, that's better for everybody. It's better right. for the environment. It's better for the plant. It's cheaper for everybody. We can then hopefully offer a lower price point, but it has to make sure that the quality is there. And historically, the technology, it's always been like, what can the cannabis industry find that's used other places? And now it's where companies and products and technologies are really like, what can we make for the cannabis industry, not bastardize something else? Yeah, We've got multiple companies in yes. Denver that's, that focus and specialize on making solventless equipment, which is awesome, between pure pressure and low temp plates. Both of them are in the Denver area and built 
specific things for this. That's there's a bunch so of extraction companies cool. too that are based out of Denver, like for the actual hardware and the machinery. And it's cool to see that because years ago it was just going online and kind of finding what can I buy from this supplier or what can we piece together? Whereas now like people right. build this purpose built for us. No more piecemeal. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Wait, I just had a follow up question and then I forgot. Oh no. Hold on. Oh yes. Do you ever reckon with like how much energy you're using and the type of energy that you're getting it from? Like, would you ever, do you guys invest in like solar panels or like that, like how granular, like we were kind of talking about, like considering the environment with everything we do and it can get so granular with like, like I'm saying, like where where you're getting your energy from and how clean that energy is. Like, obviously we all are consuming like coal energy and like so are you guys just on like the basic grid or have you considered i guess any like getting solar panels or something like that being where we're at in denver we're just on the basic grid um but we have talked to a bunch of different companies that do consulting to figure out how to make us more environmentally friendly and to use um the grid to our advantage with whether it be the timing of our lighting um when we're running cycles and things like that we're definitely aware of um packaging has been a huge thing for us we've been trying to source packaging that's more aware um because with the recycling laws in denver and in colorado it's very interesting a lot of the plastics that you think you can recycle you actually can't yeah because once it like touches the plant don't they say they like can't recycle it or that and then also just if it's if like certain only plastics one that are labeled one and two actually Mm -hmm. get recycled all the other plastics actually get filtered out. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. I literally thing. asked like, my boyfriend this the other day. I was like, it says a recycle, but it's a number five. That seems too high. I feel like it doesn't even get recycled. And he was like, I don't know. They do it. It's because it's by weight. And so they get oh paid God. more money and then they get paid to filter it out. It's, yeah, that's a whole nother. Like, so we're trying to be oh more aware. We're, we're looking into single use, smaller um, packaging for a couple different products of ours that remove the multiple layers, as well as looking at ocean based plastics, possibly. Yes. And, or hemp. Um, hemp yeah, hemp plastics as well. Hemp plastics currently can't be recycled, but they can decompose. Yeah, it just takes a lot longer. Compostable. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so we're looking into those things as well as nice. just kind of redesigning our packaging so that it can be more cardboard friendly. That is better for recyclability and breaking okay. down and just compostability. Can you recycle any of these? Yeah, these I believe containers? are, yeah, this is the bottom is glass. So I believe it's number one. Nice. Or so actually, it's, not, it's, it's, general uh, yeah, recyclable. it's general glass. It's soda lime glass. So those are going to be recyclable. And the, um, can you recycle the lids? The lids, no. I believe. Yeah, they're plastic. So I believe these are one. I think technically you might have to pop out that inner liner. Okay. Because there's like that little foam liner that might not be recyclable. I'd okay. have to double check. But what about do we have to peel off the label? Um, I don't know. I would. I think they put it through a chemical uh, yeah. process that like okay. uh, the adhesive. Yeah. Sorry, I'm asking. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> but that's also it's um that's also something that we've looked into, and as we figure out um. A department for it. We're looking into a recyclable program for these. The Med has cool. set up a program where they've told you how you can actually recycle your end-use containers. I love that. Um, nice. You have to worry about chipping and things like that and the actual weight and the movement of them, the transportation. And given that we're in Colorado, it's a fairly spread out um, state. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely something we're looking at because then we can reuse these. We could reuse our glass jars and different things like that so that at least we can kind of keep a single stream smaller and just yeah. add inventory as needed. But it's inexpensive and it's a big lift. So once again, it, we want to do all these things, but as we have to pay taxes on everything, to ADE yeah. and the expenses of everything, like we want to. System but, is stacked against you. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once if we were able to operate like any other company, it would be much more envi- like feasible for us to do these things that as a cannabis company, like we wow. want to do because we're environmentally concerned. Yeah, so. totally. I hear you. 
And you always have to, like, if something's totally not, like, worth it, like, budget-wise, it's like, well, if we're not going to make any money right. of this because we get this packaging, it's like we can't do that well, right and now. And you're just, like, waiting on the med to, like, get it together enough to even right. have guidelines. It's getting yeah, the Yeah, it's a vagueness, together. you know, and so to actually put everything towards it, we're definitely interested in it, and it's a program that we want to do, but it's just figuring out the feasibility of it and when that timeline works out with everything else because there's so many things to, you know, there's so many things going on and to focus on, especially with bringing out a new line. Um, sure. You know, this edible was a whole new facility that we brought online for it oh, with the wow. secondary license for it. So, And then we have Day 3 Labs technology, or we have their equipment in there doing making the process because you have to have it in our license facility. Right. So we have all yeah. their pharmaceutical grade equipment in a room that we work with so it's it's Whoa. a little bit more involved than we originally thought for just we bought the lab to move our bho production over to and then it just turned into edibles production like the whole thing's going to edibles oh my gosh so cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow well that is epic y'all are definitely doing it right appreciate that yeah where can people find you there we go. Um, if you go on our website, dabolio.com, we've got a find us section that has a map. Um, we update that usually every Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when sales orders go out. Um, that should have a list of all the places that are carrying our edibles, our live resin, rosin, as well as cartridges across New Mexico, Colorado, and Massachusetts. Um, and then otherwise, just reach out to your local dispensary. We're always open for orders. Um, we're trying to get into as many different places as we can. So if you're interested, um, have them reach out to us through our website or DM us through Instagram or send us an email sweet and the ig is dab olio too yep. or? Okay. it should be dab olio i believe dab olio 710 possibly yes we've had to go unfortunately with instagram as the beauty of being an unregulated Ugh. legal but non-legal cannabis we've lost a few instagrams and i hear ya. but yeah we are dab olio 710 um on instagram perfect amazing thank you so so much awesome thank you too this was so great yeah no this is awesome All right, and as always, stay high. high.